Before I share, I wanted to thank you guys for your prayers and your support and just your encouragement for them and love for them. Um, this year, you guys gave close to $7,000 just so that they could go to camp. And so kudos to you guys. Yeah. We do have students that would not be able to go, would it not be for people like you who have given, whether it be at the coffee shop and you, or you bought a pie or you just gave so they can go. We just really appreciate it. Also, we want to thank Tim this morning. Tim let us uh, drive their bus, and it was awesome. So can you guys thank Mr. Tim? <laughs> Wave, Tim, so everybody knows you. Yeah, and yes, definitely, Miss Deb as well. Um, and I'm going to share in a moment. I just want to kind of open it up to our students and uh, just let them share what God was doing this week. Um, kind of what he was saying to them and what he was doing in their lives. It was an incredible week, as you're about to find out. I'm excited for you guys to hear. So without further ado, Mr. Caleb. All right. So as you said, my name is Caleb. Um, um, so going into this week, um, I was like, just like, okay, we're going to camp. I'm going to have fun, and then I'm going to leave, and nothing's really going to happen. I don't really care. So um, I went to camp first couple days, skimming through, just getting through the surface, trying to make my answers sound good to the questions so that um, I don't really have to get pestered by the leaders. And um, <laughs> the second night, everybody kind of like broke down and like had a lot of stuff going on. And a lot of people were crying and I just kind of sat there and I was just like not really paying attention. I mean, I, I didn't really get into it much. And other people saying stuff, sometimes that makes other people want to come out and talk what they're feeling. But for me personally, I just really wasn't, didn't want to open up to anybody. So on Wednesday night, um, we were just doing our session, and I just could feel that um, I wasn't really very close to God anymore. And um, I kind of, at a point... Um, gave up on him, and I was just like, you know, I don't need you, God. My life was great before I came here, and then everything started to fall into crap. And um, the reason for that is because Satan had me where he wanted me, but when I started to move out from his grasp, he wanted to push me down and see if he could get me back there. So that night, I couldn't fall asleep. I was like, I can't go to bed because I just, I need you, even though I told you to leave, I need you. And the next night, we all had pizza after our final, like, worship session, and we're all hanging out, and everybody's talking, and they're like, oh, yeah, fun, whatever, and uh, we wrote on all the chalkboards um, in the classroom that we were in about what we learned that week, the one big thing. Um, I wrote loving yourself for who you are, and I rose my hand to explain that, and I explained basically what I just told you guys. I had, like, problems with God, and then, um, what was it? Um... I like shared with everybody, and I don't like sharing with people. That's that's not my thing. I don't even share with somebody that I'm close to usually. So that was a big thing for me. And I got it took all the way until the very very last night, but I have gotten a little bit better since before I left, and I have a long way to go. But I'm really excited for where this uh, path is going to take me. So um, when we came to camp. Not until the second day was I um was God my top priority. Like I had it went like family, friends, other stuff I want to do and then God and I needed to change that. So Bible study really helped me with that, but also um 
worship did a lot. And by the end of the week, I was like complete and total believer, no doubt. And he was my top priority. And I loved everything that had to do with like worship and Bible study and everything after that. So sort of like what Jack said, by the second day, I wasn't really, God wasn't really my top priority. It was like friends, family, fun. and then So by like the third and fourth day, it just felt like I needed some help with stuff. And then God just helped me like pull through worship and Bible study, and I actually felt, like, good about my faith getting stronger with God. So going to camp, my faith wasn't, like, strong at all. Um, And then once we got to camp, like, same thing as said my faith wasn't as strong till the second day and then the second day God spoke to me in worship and then he just opened my eyes and it was a really good experience okay I'm Elizabeth and to be honest going into this week I did not want to go like whatsoever like my mother was physically pushing me onto the bus (laughs) But, because I, going to camp, going places, talking on stage or doing stuff like this is definitely not my thing. But I was forced to go, and I went, and I was so glad that I went because I didn't want to go because I didn't think I was ready. I wasn't physically or emotionally ready to handle something like that. And I think that's where God, like, kind of worked his best because I went and... Like, Tuesday night was a huge emotional, like, group that we all had and a whole bunch of people were sharing. And it was so hard to, like, like be that vulnerable for everyone. But it was so good and so many people, like, connected with each other. And there was so much good that came out of that. And we became so much closer together and with God this week. And, like, even through, like, games and stuff, like, it was all ways coming back to him like even like on the way there we stopped and had to go to the bathroom but couldn't find one and then there was a guy who just happened to have the key right to a bathroom like it was little things that God was just doing the entire week that like were like there was no other explanation except for for God moving in that situation and it was just kind of really cool to see all of the little things that he did in our lives this week and how much she's brought all of us closer together. Hi, I'm Marissa Lambert, and this year at camp was my first, and it was an amazing year. The games were amazing, and worship was awesome, especially the song. Um, But Bible study I really liked because it made us have connections, and we all grew closer from it. I definitely think that God grew closer to me, and I grew closer to him, and I grew closer to everyone on stage, so I suggest you go next year.
All right, here we go. <laughs> All right. All right, so before going to camp, uh, I felt like my soul was just, like, completely shattered, like, uh, and I, I was just really desperate to figure out uh, what I needed best for my soul and uh, what I needed best in my life. And so I was, so coming to camp, I was able to learn that, uh, like, even though my soul is shattered, God redefines it, and uh, he's going ri- to get rid of the old and uh, bring in a new redefined person. So, yeah. So, hi, my name's Josh. And I guess the one big thing I learned from camp this week was that there's a big difference between worrying about somebody and caring for them. And um, I often have a lot of people come to me about a lot of different problems, and it really worries me a lot. And it really gets me all (laughs) really scared for them. um, I think the big message that Camp was talking about was about redefining a lot of things. And uh, I think talking with Pastor Josh and Diana, that God really redefined my definition of worrying, of caring, and that it's actually even better to care for somebody when you're not worrying about them than it is to spend all the time. And yeah. My name's Brendan, and my biggest takeaway from camp was that we all know that we're supposed to submit to God in every aspect of our life, but what I didn't realize is that when we relinquish all that freedom that we think that we want, we end up living like a much more peaceful, calm life than when we end up doing whatever we want, which is interesting to me because for me personally, just total obedience doesn't carry a particularly positive, I guess, ideology or message, but... When we fully submit to him, life is so much easier to endure. Hi, I'm Mackenzie. This is my fourth year going to camp. And um, so, like I said in first service, I think most of the people who've gone, like, in years past, would agree that this was one of the more meaningful and powerful weeks we've had in a while. Um, And it was meaningful for me for a couple reasons. Well, the first one is, like, our group together as a whole, we were really unified, and we were, I don't know, we just all got along really, really well, and we hit the ground running with, like, the first day, and then the kids all opened up, like, as early as the second night, which doesn't always happen, and we were all very vulnerable with each other, and that's how we grew closer, and second thing was I met a lot of new people on this trip, because a lot of these people um, haven't met a camp before, and so I learned, I learned a lot about them and their stories and their walks with God. And young people today go through a lot of heartache and a lot of struggles. And it's incredibly encouraging to see that other people may go through the same things that you do and that they can relate to you. So, yeah. And then the third thing was I came to camp this year with, like, um, I kind of lost my faith in God because it's been a bit of a rough year. And so I just didn't think that God really cared about me anymore. And so I figured that if God cares about me, then maybe he'll show up this week, just give me something, anything, to, like, keep, to give me a reason to keep my faith. Um, so that's what I expected. And uh, I learned from this week because we had a great speaker. And one of the things he said this week was that 
if you want God to chase you down, you have to chase him first. And so I heard that, but I didn't really take that to heart like the week, like the entire week until the last night. And the last night, um, uh, uh, like we were all together. And that was when I finally admitted to myself that like I needed God's help and that more importantly, I wanted his help. And so I prayed to him and like I just told him like how much I needed his help and how much I wanted his help. And then the second thing I learned that was important to me was that, from our speaker too, is that God's love for you doesn't depend on your performance. And that was special to me because um, I find a lot of, like, my self-worth and, like, what I can do for other people and, like, how they respond to, what, like, what I can do from them and if I can make them happy and earn their respect and stuff like that. And so because, and like, yeah, and because my relationship with God hasn't been so good, I kind of felt like, I don't know, that, like, um, my performance was bad, so, like, God can't possibly love me. And so I still have had a harder time understanding that and believing that, but that was a good start to that. So, And I would definitely recommend going to camp. Hi, I'm Dominic. This is my first year going to camp, and this is my first year going to camp, and it was really fun. I got closer to God. I learned how to forgive people for when they hurt me. And the funnest part was getting closer to all the people I went to camp with. And if you have the chance to go, I would suggest going. Uh, my name's Gabe, and um, this week for camp uh, really showed me um, my walk with God and how Questioning and self-doubt can really be put aside when you just knock those walls of resistance that you build up from either distractions and friends or um, in your personal life, any problems you have. Just surrendering and letting those problems go can really open up a whole other pathway to Christ. And um, yeah, I was just going. Um, I'm Rain, and uh, this week just... I just saw the power of God through all of our lives and my life, and it just really opened up my eyes to see just how powerful our God is and that even though we're so small, that he just cares for each and one of us so much. Uh, I'm Nathan Williams. Uh, the biggest takeaway I had from camp was I have to have confidence in my faith. I can't just go to church uh, for an hour a week, and uh, that's not going like, to determine where I go for eternity. I have to live out my faith every day. One of the leaders showed in a small group a rope, and it was, uh, or like, showed the description of a rope that was as big as this room. And uh, they said, like, tie a string around it, like a tiny string. And that's our life now compared to the rest of eternity. And that kind of stuck out with me because what we do in this life is so important for the rest of our lives uh, in eternity. So we have to have confidence in our faith. So we can live eternity with God. Hi, I'm Lily Lemoyne, and really from the second I got on the bus to the second I, to the second I got off, I had so much fun and got so much closer to everyone here. And one of the things that really stuck out to me was when the preacher Jason Cook said, "You need to put on God's robe every day." and 
To me, that meant we were made to glorify God, and we need to spread his love and glory and kindness every single day, not just one week out of the year when we're learning about him at camp. Hi, I'm Hannah. Um, Before camp, I was spiritually broken, as Jason, our speaker, said, um, mainly because of two things. One, I was really upset with God, mostly because I was blaming him for my dad's death. And I would always hear people saying, like, oh, Hannah, everything happens for a reason. Like, it'll come soon. But I just never understood it because I was like, well, like, there's not a good enough reason that someone could take my dad away from me. But uh, when we were worshiping, one of the verses really stuck out to me. And it said, that was when death was arrested and my new life began. And a lot of people interpreted it differently than I did. But I thought of it as um, God was saying to me, like, Hannah, that's when I took your dad safely home into heaven with me so he could be without pain, without suffering. And that's when your faith story will begin. And um, I don't think my faith story would be anywhere near where it is now if it wasn't for my dad dying in a way. And uh, I also, before camp, like, lost my identity mostly through broken relationships in my family and in my friends. And I'd question a lot, like, who I am, why I'm here, and more importantly, who God is. But uh, camp just really made me realize that our true identity comes through God and not what others say about us or even how we view ourselves and uh, that we're inherited into his own family and that we're all children of God who's like the king of kings, and that's just so amazing to me. So, I'm Maya, and this was my first year going to camp, and I didn't really know what to expect, but the moment like I stepped onto the bus, everybody was so welcoming, and I feel like I definitely grew close to everyone on the stage, and even some more, and I definitely grew closer to God, and... When Jason Cook was speaking, one of the things that stuck out to me was that there's more grace in God than there is sin in you. And that really helped me get through the week because I realized that his love and kindness is greater than anything that you could do that's wrong. <laughs> Hi, I'm Apollo. Uh, I learned a lot about God on this trip and grew closer to much of my friends on the stage uh, especially in a very close way during our group meets. And I had a lot of fun during most of the games on this trip. Hi, I'm Michaela. Um, so for the past couple of years of my life, I've like gone through like a rough stage and all. And this is my fourth year going to camp. And each year just like keeps getting like way better and better. And this year just like really like it felt like God just like took everything that I've been holding on to and just like threw it away. And I felt like I got really closer to God and put more of my focus on him. Hi, I'm Grace, and this was my fourth year going to camp. Since it was my fourth year, I kind of knew what to expect, so I wasn't very, like, happy about going because I thought it was going to be the same as always, just go, worship, learn about God, come home, be the same like always. But what I didn't know this year is the theme was redefined, redefining ourselves in God's image to be closer with him. And the first night of worship and preaching, he was talking about glorifying God. 
And that's what we were made for was to glorify him. So that really made me think how I put all these distractions in front of me, which shouldn't be in front of me. I should be putting God as number one. And so that's going to be really affecting me right now is pushing aside my distractions and really putting God as first. So my favorite part about camp was definitely the worship because when you're just worshiping God, it's just you and him and he's his presence was just so strong and it really changed me and um one of the things I learned at camp was I learned the meaning of our lives like we were meant to glorify God that was our purpose that's why we were created was to glorify our creator and it just really helped me put things into perspective in my life and another thing I learned about God was I always before this trip I always tried to fit in with the crowd I always tried to blend in but we're Christians we're supposed to stand out we're supposed to we're supposed to stand together and glorify God even when the world tells you not to and it just really changed my life and I loved it. My favorite part of camp was the worship. Like it draws you closer to God. And also the other thing was like coming in to meet these people more. You guys are awesome. One more time, can we just give it up for our students? Zach! What are you doing? Wow. Sorry. All right, my name is Zach, and my favorite part of camp was, like Julia said, probably the worship. But one of the things I learned was, uh, I think it was like the second day when Jason was preaching, and he said, what you believe about yourself that isn't true about Christ is a lie. And I just took that to heart because things around you like school, distractions, social media, and they can distract you and basically make you believe things that aren't true about yourself. And, uh, yeah, that's so camp went for me. All right, so if we can have our leaders come up onto the stage here and just line up, just right in the front here, please. <laughs> All right, so this week, these leaders were, oh, Josh, come on. That's, that's not even a question. All right, so these leaders were amazing. They literally did everything for us. They were up early. They didn't do anything during free time because they were going around making sure we're all okay. They were coming to our rooms. They were having conversations with us. They were staying up late to talk to all of us, getting up extra early so that they could prepare for all the sessions that we were having, and they just did an amazing job. And Can we just give them a hand, please? (laughs) 
Exactly. You guys are incredible. Love you guys so much. One more time for all these awesome people. Let's grab a seat. All right, so um, goodness gracious, it was a great week. Uh, I feel like I say this every year, and I know I'm emotional, and um, you might assume that I would say this every year, but I really feel like this was just probably the most incredible week we've ever had at camp, and God was just really moving in a way, and and, um, it was just so amazing to see our students just engage and uh, to hear them say, God is speaking to me. God is showing me things. Uh, It's just incredible. So again, I want to thank you guys for partnering with us. And um, again, we couldn't do what we do without your prayer and support. So honestly, it means the world to us. But um, before before we jump into just a short little devotional, would you guys mind praying with me? Heavenly Father, we just love you so much, and we thank you for all that you're doing. God, we recognize that everything good that is happening is because of you. In John, it says, apart from you, we can do nothing. And so, Lord, we realize and recognize and give you all the honor and glory and praise because of the things that are happening in the lives of our students and the lives of our adults as well. And so, Lord, we just thank you. God, would you speak this morning? God, would you reveal more truth about who you are and how much you love us. And, and so, Lord, we, we give you um, all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So as we, our students, were, maybe you got the hint from the t-shirts. Woo! I'm ready to worship. But maybe you got the hint from our t-shirts or just some of the things, but uh, the, the theme from this week is, is that Jesus is the great redefiner. He redefines our existence, our reality, our lives. He redefines what it is um, to, to have family. Um, and he also redefines our identity. And that's kind of where we're going to just be chatting for just a moment about our identity. And um, this, honestly, I got home late last night, like 1030. And so I'm just kind of regurgitating some of the things that we kind of uh, processed and worked through this week. Um, and so uh, it was an incredible week. Um, but knowing, I, I feel like identity is something that all of us struggle with at times. All of us deal with our culture kind of. It's in our face now, um, whether it's on social media, on your phones, uh, on TV, um, videos, uh, you know, movies, stuff like that. But culture is constantly trying to define, to define what our identity is and what we should be doing, what we should be, the way that we should be acting, how we should be talking, the way that we should look. And, um, and students get, I think, probably the brunt of that. But as adults, I think we'd be lying if we, we said we don't struggle with uh, our identity in some form or fashion. I mean, even in the workplace, you see people say something and uh, talk about someone's appearance or talk about, you know, the way that they act or maybe just being a Christian and, and you're like, you wrestle with that. Um, you're like, you wrestle with the things that people have said about you. You wrestle with the things that, um, 
people have done to you. And so we're going to kind of jump through a lot of text today, so just stay with me. Um, this is more of a topical message on identity, but um, let's start with 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, and it, and it says this, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old is gone, and the new life is begun. And so in Christ, we are made new. In Christ, we are made new. Once we receive salvation in Christ, we are made new. There is this old person, and we receive salvation, and we are made new in Christ. Um, in, the new, in the Old Testament, previous to Christ coming to redeem us from our sins, um, to be forgiven of sin, they would, and, and I think many of us know this, they would take uh, like um, the best uh, goats or bulls or cows or birds, and they would, they would sacrifice these, and then, and then in a burnt offering, um, they would give these as an offering to the Lord. And this is the way that they would um, kind of deal with... Uh, um, okay, so let me back up for a second. The Bible also says that the wages of sin is death. And so death had to take place for the forgiveness of sins. And so they sat, would sacrifice these animals to the Lord... Uh, almost ritualistically, um, so that the forgiveness of sins could take place. And the incredible thing that we, the, the main kind of focus from this camp was realizing like that this is something that had to occur over and over and over again, right? People don't just stop sinning. Now, just acknowledging who God is, we don't just stop sinning. The Bible says we're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God, right? And so this is something that they would do over and over and over again. I don't know about you, but it would be something probably I would have to do every single day over and over and over again. Take this offering, the best that I have, sacrifice it, burn it uh, uh, for the forgiveness of sins. And the incredible thing is, is that we, we, we see this in the Old Testament, but fast forward to the Gospels, um, and things are a little bit different. Hebrews, this isn't in the gospel, but Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12 says this, but our high priest offered to himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's, God's right hand. So before Christ, there was this ritualistic you know, sacrifice that had to take place day after day after day after day for the atonement of sins. And Jesus comes once and for all, and sin is taken care of. Sin is conquered on the cross. There's no more uh, sacrificing this ritualistic things. Jesus come once and for all for the forgiveness of our sins, just once and for all. And it's incredible to think like, you know, the... the the, the law was there. The, the law didn't provide salvation, right? The law wasn't something that saved people, but the law certainly made us recognize or, or helped us to recognize and still does help us to recognize our sinfulness and our need for God. Because there was no one that could live up to the law. There are all these rules, all these regulations uh, and, and some we might even say are, are kind of silly, but there's all these rules and we could not live up to them. That's why they had to constantly go back and, and make these sacrifices and, and burn these offerings for the forgiveness of sins. And Jesus comes and he's crucified for the, for, the, for the payment to take all of our sins one time and it's done. It's incredible to me to think about like this, 
going, them going back over and over, day by day, day by day, day by day, making these sacrifices. And the Messiah comes, and he's crucified, and our sins have been washed clean forever in one swipe. And I, I don't know about you, but I think, like for me, this is one thing that I struggled with. Uh, one of the things that the Lord spoke to me, and I'm just going to share it briefly, um, I was laying in the grass, and the Lord spoke something to me about myself. Do you, do you ever know how the Lord speaks and says something to you, and you really don't want to hear it, but you know it's true? But the Lord said, he, he asked me this really challenging question. The Lord asked me, who are you leading people to? Are you leading people to you, or are you leading people to me? You see, I have this problem in my life where I need people to need me. And it's not something that I'm proud to admit. It's something that I'm obviously the Lord showed me, and I need to work through that. And, but the Lord said, who are you leading people to, you or to me? And I, I do this all the time. I have this, I have this way of like thinking that God's love is performance-based. That peop, you know, people tend to have that kind of love sometimes. Like parents, we can, we can have parents that like, you do this, 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 and this for me, and then, you know, I'm going to love you. Or you have relationships like that. Does everybody agree? Have you ever had a relationship that you felt was performance-based? Like it wasn't genuine, but it was a performance-based love. And sometimes we feel the same about God. Like, God, I am a sinful mess. There are times that I make mistakes and mess up. I mean, all the time I make mistakes and mess up. And yet God loves me in spite of my sinfulness. And, and God's love is not performance-based. My performance does not dictate how God sees me. My, God's love for you doesn't depend on your performance. If that were the case, Jesus never would have had to come. Because before Jesus, the law was, you make these sacrifice, you, you take the best of what you had, make this sacrifice, and your, and, and your sins are forgiven. Jesus comes and says, I am the sacrifice. I am being crucified for the forgiveness of your sins. And this is a free gift. Church, all we have to do is accept this free gift that Jesus gives to us in salvation. There is nothing that we can do to earn salvation. There's nothing that we can do to be good. Rather, we need to trust and lean into Jesus. God's love for us does not depend on our performance. Um. Has anybody ever played soccer before? So admittedly, you probably know this just by looking at me, but I don't play soccer. Um, and I never have. I played football. Football, you didn't run as much as soccer. I remember playing football and looking at the soccer players and thinking, I'd have no idea how they do it. Just run, 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 run. And so um, for those of you who have little kids in soccer, this is an illustration that Jason gave that I thought was incredible, but... Um, have little kids in soccer, you know, if any sport, you throw your little kid out there, they're, what, four or five, you know, and they don't really fully understand what's going on. You know, one of them is picking flowers. The other one over here is picking their nose. And, and so like, you've you got a lot of dysfunction and a lot of craziness going on. And so the coach has to constantly communicate to these kids to help them understand what to do. And so the coach, you know, you can see um, the, the coach just imagine, you know, the, the kids 
got the ball, but he doesn't know what to do with it. And so the coach is like, run this way, run this way, run this way. And so the first, uh, you know, whole half of the game, he, the coach is telling the kid, run this way, run this way, run this way. And so finally the kids are starting to get, get it by the end of the first half. But what happens at halftime? They switch sides. So whereas the coach the whole first half is saying, run this way, run this way, run this way. All of a sudden, they're telling the kids, no, 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 run this way, run this way, run this way. And if, if you have kids, you can just imagine how insane and crazy that is. But, but Jason was essentially saying, like, that's the same way uh, we, we live our life. Before Christ, we're running this way, in the opposite direction of where he would want us to run. We're, run, we're living a life for ourselves. We're living a life that, that is uh, that we, seeking pleasure and seeking, seeking flesh. And then we have this encounter with Christ, and we, we, we surrender our lives to Christ. We, we receive salvation. The Bible says to repent and believe. And so repent means to turn in the opposite direction. And so if I'm running away from God, I have this encounter with him, I repent and I turn in the opposite direction and I'm to run towards Christ, run as fast and as hard as I can. And I'm running and I'm running and I'm running. And, and then all of a sudden, I, some, someone runs back by me from, from my old life. Uh, something distracts me and kind of set me off, sets me off course. And before you know, I'm kind of walking back in the same direction. And I know this is something that all of us can relate to. With the best intentions, we receive salvation. We said, God, I want everything that you have for me. I know that you love me. God, I love you with all my heart. And we run and we run and we run. And our sinfulness catches up to ourselves. And we find ourselves walking in the other direction again and again and again. And the reality is, is that we are sinful. The Bible says it. All of us are sinful. All of us fall short of the glory of God. as it pertains to our identity, this is something that was uh, really awesome to see and hear. In Christ, we are simultaneously saved and sinner. In Christ, we are simultaneously, simultaneously saved and sinner. For some of us, we think we receive salvation in Christ, and then we're running and, and we get distracted or some, we sin, and we're like, I don't understand. Like, I thought I was saved. I thought it was over this. Some of us are, are running this race and, and we're running and we're running and we're running and, and we mess up, we make mistakes. And I don't know if you're like me, but this is how I spent the first probably half of my life, thinking that my life, living a life honoring to God and serving God was like a video game. You start the race, you're doing good, you beat level one, you beat the boss, you're doing awesome. And then you get to this point and you make a mistake. And then what do you do at a video game? You have to go back to the beginning. I don't know about you. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. But I feel like sometimes I'm running the race and I'm, my eyes are on the prize. I'm looking at God and I mess up and I feel so unworthy and so full of sin that I say, I have to go all the way back to the beginning of my relationship with God. I am not worth his love. I'm not worthy of his love. And the truth is, is that we're not. But church, I want to tell you this morning that that is a lie straight from Satan. 
When we receive salvation in Christ, we are made new. The old is gone, and we are made new. And, and, and Jesus, I think, knew that we were going to continue to sin. Now, I, I don't think he knew. I know that he knew. In Romans 5, 8, he said he died for us even while we were still sinners. And so in Christ, we are simultaneously saved and sinner. Hebrews 10, verse 4 says this, It's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Jesus and Jesus alone is the only way for the forgiveness of sins and salvation. What he did on the cross, the price he paid to take away your and my sins, the punishment that he took that should have been yours and mine, is more than enough to take all sin. And I think what we do is, and, and this is the enemy, this is the enemy, and we have to recognize the enemy for who he is, a liar, a deceiver. The Bible says he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's like a wolf looking around for someone to devour, or a lion, I'm sorry, looking for someone to devour. The Bible says that his native language is lies. So is it, is it a surprise that we find ourselves questioning who we are all the time? Is it a surprise that we find ourselves wondering why we are so unworthy, so invaluable, so dirty? No, it doesn't surprise me at all. It surprises me how much we believe the enemy. And, and to some degree it doesn't, because here's the thing. If I tell you you're, you know, ladies, if I tell you you're beautiful, and then somebody walks up to you and says you're ugly, which one are you more easiest to believe? The negative thing about you. And we have to realize and recognize the enemy's work in our lives, not giving him too much, too much attention, but that there is a war waging for our soul, and the enemy wants to kill and steal and destroy our relationship with God. And how he does that best is destroy our identity, make us question who we are, make us question who he's, what he says about us. I think um, I'm almost done. I think... For some of us, we, uh, too, we're talking about this race, right? And we're running, we're running, and we, we make this mistake, and we sin, and, and we all will. I think for some of us, we think that as we mature in Christ, we should be repenting less. As we mature in Christ, we should be repenting less. When the truth of the matter is, is that as we mature in Christ, we should repent more. As much and as often as we sin, and we do sin very often, we should be often repenters. I think that's why God uh, called David a man after his own heart. It's not because David was this incredible godly person, and, and he, he was godly, but David made a lot of really stupid decisions. He did a lot of horrible things. What, the reason I believe that God called David a man after his heart is because David, and it took sometimes people saying things to him to recognize that David had a repentant heart. When he, when he was living in sinfulness, David repented. And church, we need to be, for as sinful as we are, we need to be often repenters. The amazing thing is that 1 John 1, 9 says this, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There is no sin too great. There is nothing that you've done in your past. Because this is another lie the enemy convinces us of. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've been through. You have no idea what I said. 
That's a lie. There is no sin that is unconquerable at the cross. Jesus went to the cross for every sin. Anything that we can do in our lives that's dishonoring to God, Jesus went to the cross to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. This was an incredibly powerful point that he said. He says there's, and, and I think Maya said this, says there is more grace in Christ than there is sin in you. There's more grace in Christ than there is sin in you. And consider how much sin is in us. There's more grace in Christ than there is sin in us, which means that every time we go back to our loving, kind, gentle Heavenly Father, He's also just. But when, he, when we go to Him with a humble and repentant heart, He will always forgive us. The Bible says He takes our sin and casts, casts it as far as the east is from the west, trampling it under the, His feet, throwing it into the depths of the sea, and remembering it no more. That's what He does with our sin. And so when we remind ourselves constantly of the things that we've done in the past, just recognize it for what it is. It's the enemy. It's the enemy trying to convince you that you are not worthy, that you are not loved. It's a lie. And I think um, we wonder why we're so sinful and yet we have such a loving Heavenly Father. We wonder sometimes we re- why we wrestle with sin. Some of us think that we're the only ones that do it. But if you, if, you, if you look at Paul, for instance, the greatest missionary to the Christian church, right? He wrote most of the New Testament. In Romans 7, this is what Paul says. He says, I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, my sinful, sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It's a sin, it's a sin living in me that does it. I've discovered this principle in life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind, and this power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that, dominate, that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is Jesus Christ our Lord. I think, I think something important, and we, I talked about this with the students. Another tactic of the enemy is seclusion. When we, when we separate ourselves from the body and we begin to think, I'm the only one that, that wrestles with this. Like, why am I the only one that loves God? My heart just wants to do everything for God, but I, I constantly, internally, and wrestling with this, this, this sinfulness, even though I've been made new. But the reality is, is that all of us do it. All of us wrestle with that, right? And it's so important that we stay connected for that reason, because the enemy wants to separate us. And if we're separated, guess what happens? The enemy is like a lion, and he's looking for someone to devour. And guess what? He's going to. Our faith was never meant to be lived alone. We were made to live out our faith in community. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says this, and I'm closing. Worship team, you can come up. Um, got, here's something else cool this morning. Because um, we talked about identity this week, and um, our students are going to be serving communion this morning, but they're also going to be praying, coming down to the front and praying. Because I thought, like, 
what better than our students who came into camp maybe thinking that they're unvaluable, unworthy, uh, questioning themselves, questioning God, questioning who God is and His love for them, and then leaving camp knowing and saying things like, I am a masterpiece of God, I'm the inheritance of God, I'm the workmanship of God, that I was created with a plan and a purpose, that he, he, he knows me, He knows how many hairs are on my head. And there are some of us adults in here that struggle with identity. I know that there are. But how, how incredible would it be to have students pray for adults for a change? And so, students, you guys can get ready for communion. Last thing I want to say, and, and the students said this as well, says, whatever you believe about yourself that isn't also true about Jesus is a lie. Whatever you believe about yourself that isn't also true about Jesus is a lie. So I want to ask you this morning, what are those thoughts that run through your head on the daily? On, a, on the daily? What are those things that you're believing about yourself? Some of us in this room, I'm, I'm ugly, I'm, I'm fat, I'm constantly trying to live up to a sibling, and I'm not doing enough. Maybe you believe the lie that God doesn't love you, that God has abandoned you. I want to encourage you this morning. There is a God in heaven who created everything in existence that sees you, that knows you, that cares and loves you. And he wants nothing more than for you to see yourself the way that he sees you, as his son or daughter. I have three girls and I love them so much I would do anything for them. We have a God that loves us so much that he's already done everything for us. So church, this morning, we're going to take communion, but if I want, I want to also give you the opportunity. If you need prayer, if you're struggling with identity, if you're struggling with anything, we have students and leaders up here that would be willing to pray for you.